Glory to you, Sakina, and to the rest of the listeners. What a lovely weekend. Terrible in football, but great, obviously, for Amakosi. Why was it terrible? It wasn't that bad. You mean, uh, unless you're talking about the bereavement. Ah, you know what? Uh, we had a terrible incident. And uh, I feel sad because the Pirates drew that game. And it was phen- phenomenal to see them come back from 3-0 down. But other than that, condolences to the Scala family. And uh, we have the and then we've missed the chance to go on top of the league uh, properly. by Clear by two points, like, you know, which really upset me. Okay, as we always do. But uh, moving back to the markets, emerging market stocks falling, mm. Clive, to their lowest since uh, 2009. Uh, this around concerns about faltering global economic growth. Talk to us about yeah, that. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a story now that's being... It's firmly into 2016, and we now realize that it's actual fact the slowdown of China is creating a turmoil around markets all over the world including the U.S. now, which is quite sad in actual fact, to be honest. But we're not surprised because they are indebted to China, and so that's why you see this unraveling, terrible economic uh, turbulence take over most of the equity markets in the world. Uh, so, you know, uh, Chinese offshore yuan also gained strength, which is quite interesting because I heard Marissa mention it a little bit. It, the, the significance of that is because now, since they're a member of the IMF elite currency stable, it means that that does contribute largely to the best, to the other economies as well, which is quite interesting, uh, to be honest with you. But our stock indices are in Vietnam and the Philippines uh, were, were led by the drop as the MSCI Asia uh, Emerging Market Index went down again for the third day um, consecutively. Uh, we were down now by 1.36%, which is not really necessarily great. Uh, and the Chinese shares in Shanghai fluctuated after they fell into a bear market as well. So we are officially in a bear market. You know what a bear market is, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Papa Bear and Mama Bear, no. <laughs> We're talking that. It's, it's, it's risk on. So people are protecting their assets and buying into shares that are protective more than those that take risk. And uh, talking about risks and, uh, you know, all these uncertainties uh, uncertainties that abound, uh, stocks across the Middle East, this is very interesting, Clive, because they're tumbling, and it's because of the easing of sanctions against Iran, because that has now raised the prospect of a surge in oil supplies to a market that is already reeling from the lowest price in more than a decade. Yeah, so let me give you the numbers. There's about $132 billion U.S. dollars worth of Iran money that's been frozen. Uh, since the sanctions have been uh, imposed on Iran. And those monies are now slowly going to be left back into the market. Not only that, Iran itself contributes heavily, close to about uh, 10.5% of oil production uh, into the world, world production of oil, which means that if they open their floodgates, uh, with the falling oil price already where it is because of a lack of demand, it means that there will be more oil available on the market. A commentator of the weekend said something like this. He said, if these sanctions, if the oil price doesn't get back by the end of the first quarter, it means at the beginning of the second quarter we could see oil hit rock bottom at about $20 a barrel. Now, that's what we're looking at. That, that is quite phenomenal. That is quite scary. But all these monies, Sakina, are an opportunity for Iran, but not so much exciting for the surrounding areas because they're competing basically for the same market. And so you'll see the Saudi Arabia's Cadwell All Share Index dropped by 5.4% on the news, the lowest since March 2011. Abu Dhabi ADX General Index also fell by 1.48%. And the, the, the averages of Middle East indices, 
uh, also was down by almost uh, 6.5%. So it is quite interesting that all this is linked, obviously, to the price of oil, which is the reason why that Middle East has been growing so rapidly over the last 20 years. And then uh, this story is interesting given our own situation here at home. Uh, India, uh, they are saying that they will set up a 100 billion rupee, which is the equivalent of 1.5 billion US dollars. Um, they're going to set up a fund to that amount to encourage startup businesses and pledge to ease regulations for entrepreneurs. Yeah. What is interesting about this particular one, Sakina, and, uh, and, and, and very, a very nice attempt by Moody, Brilliant, indeed. This $1.5 billion is going to be utilized to find and identify uh, potential entrepreneurs who come up with innovative ways of creating business uh, within the Indian space and also those who want to go globally and, and, ex- and export their talents. Now, wh- why is this significant? I, why did I like the fact that Moody's doing this? He hasn't gone the direct route. And, by the way, South Africa has done a lot. Sakina, to be honest with you, when it comes to funding, uh, we've got the likes of the N- NYDA, we've got the likes of the uh, DTI, we've got the ICD, we've got the likes of uh, 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 the, the Empowerment Fund, or the National Empowerment Fund. So we do have these mechanisms. What the problem is is that all these businesses that have been started by these particular attempts by government uh, uh, to, to try to have not really necessarily worked uh, positively because those businesses... Uh, Soon after uh, they started, they, they actually fail. Now, where, where does the problem lie? The problem lies with the mentoring and access to information for those entrepreneurs. Now, Moody is saying he's going to have a board of trust, uh, trustees that are from business, specifically from business. No one from government, no one from anywhere else. Entrepreneurs that have succeeded in, in, in India or anywhere else in the world who are Indian we are going to facilitate the expenditure or the, the way this money is going to be spent on these entrepreneurs over the next 15 years. Now, this is, this is exactly what I mean when I say the correlation or the collaboration of business and, and government. Now, he's saying he, he doesn't rely on himself to do this. He says we're going to get entrepreneurs, successful business, Indian business people who understand the entrepreneurial spirit, who understand the business world, to go and actually spend this money appropriately and fund these startups which whether it be in ITC, whether it be in engineering, whether it be whatever, but these guys are guys who are gurus in their own right who are going to be facilitating this fund. I think this is absolutely brilliant, and it's going to inspire the Indian young people, which already we know when it comes to education, they're actually the leading uh, people when it comes to those kind of things. So it is quite phenomenal uh, what Moody is doing with these startups. 1.5 billion. Why don't they bring it to me? I'll show them how to start a business. I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would. But um, just one for the road here for you yeah. from yeah. Ambrogino Tsuina about your pirate story. He says, even yeah. if you've gotten all three points, Clive, you would not have gone top of the log. It's not that season, Baba. Oh, so. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Let me just leave it there and speak to you again tomorrow. Uh, that's our uh, analyst, uh, Clive Ntozabantu Ramatibela.